Hey guys, this is your host, Franziska, and welcome back to the Hikers Anonymous podcast. On this podcast, I help share people's inspirational stories about how hiking, backpacking, and the outdoors changed their lives. If you have an inspirational story about how the outdoors positively impacted your life, please send a short synopsis to hikeoregon at hikeoregon.net and put in the subject line podcast guest. Today, I'm talking with Kay, who for the past year has been battling breast cancer. She continually got her mental and physical strength from the outdoors as she navigated getting a double mastectomy and chemo treatment. To hear more about Kay's inspirational story, stay tuned. Awesome. Well, today I am here with Kay, and she is going to tell us a little bit about her story. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for letting me be here. So I want to start off with um, your history with the outdoors. Did you grow up enjoying the outdoors as a child? Um, so yes, but probably not in the way that um, you might think is a, a hiker. Uh, so I am one of seven children and we grew up on a small, in a small Oregon coast town called North Bend, which is nowhere near Bend, Oregon, but North Bend. Um, and so we had a small house. It was only a three bedroom. So there's nine people living in a three bedroom house. And in our backyard, I guess that's what you call it, the back area. It was a wooded section. Um, we always called it the woods. I mean, it's not like you would think like a forest or a wilderness area, but it, it was a very wooded area. And so we spent hours uh, playing out there, um, exploring, you know, having forts or um, swings and different stuff like that. So while hiking wasn't really our thing as children, we always really enjoyed being out in nature. And maybe that was because our mom always just like told us to get out of the house. But to this day, all seven of us, um, we still enjoy um, going outdoors. We go on adventures together. So we do sibling trips together. We've been to Yellowstone. We've been to um, the San Juan Islands. We've been to Southern Utah, like St. George area. We really enjoy being together, but especially in the outdoors. Wow, that sounds like a great childhood to just be able to play outside all the time. Well, the 70s and 80s were like that, right? Like mom and dad would be like, hey, you know, come back for dinner. And that's pretty much what we did. We ran wild. <laughs> wow. So um, North Bend, you said, is on the coast. Did you... Um, do a lot on the beach and stuff too? So the the irony is, is that I always, as a kid, I, we always felt like the beach was really far away. It was probably a 10 or 15 minute drive from our house to the beach. But if you're not driving, then you're not going to the beach. Right. So it wasn't until we started to get older, get our driver's license that we spent more time on the beach. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the Coos Bay, North Bend area. You've got um, Shore Acres State Park down there. Um, and we would love to go out there and during the king tides that we have, where you have those giant waves crashing up over, like we just thought it was, you know, hey, this is so much fun. It was like a party out there. And back then it wasn't well known or well advertised. So we were often the only people screaming at the waves out there, but to to this day, I if you asked me, 
choose the beach or the mountains. I couldn't because I need both. So you said in your email that you moved away from Oregon for about 25 years. Where did you move to and when did you move? So um, when I graduated from high school in 93, I I moved out of the state to attend college. So I did a two-year college and got my associates in um, Idaho. And then I went to Utah um, and finished my my education there. And I married a military man. So he took me to exotic locations like Oklahoma, North Dakota, Texas, Florida, Louisiana. So um, not really like prime hiking areas per se, um, very flat. It was, uh, I can remember when we first moved to Oklahoma, I just cried because you can see for hundreds of miles. <laughs> like There's just nothing to break the landscape up. It's a change for sure. But we oftentimes like for our vacations, um, so he's from Washington State. I'm from Oregon. When we visit our families, hiking was always involved in our vacations. Like, yes, we'll come and see you, mom and dad, but we need to get outside as well. Yeah. So none of those areas you really were able to like enjoy the outdoors much. Well, so we did, we, we worked hard. So when we were in Texas and Louisiana, we oftentimes would go to Arkansas, which is a very beautiful state and fall there is just absolutely gorgeous. But like Florida, there's not really a whole lot of hiking locations. Um, and in the Dakotas, you have the Badlands, which is a different type of hiking. But honestly, we spent 10 years in Louisiana and there was always something trying to bite you, sting you, eat you, attack you. So no, not a lot in Louisiana. <laughs> so after 25 years, you moved back to Oregon. Mm hmm. Okay. And where did you move to? Well, so we actually live in Vancouver, Washington. I say Oregon because when I say Vancouver, everyone puts me in British Columbia instead of uh, Washington yeah. State. And if we're being completely honest, we live in Washington State. So um, his military retirement doesn't get taxed. And then we shop in Oregon. So we don't have to pay sales tax. Right. So we moved back in October of 2019. And in September of 2022, I was diagnosed with um, an aggressive form of breast cancer through my annual mammogram and through lots of scans, tests, consultations with my doctors. Uh, I made the decision to have a bilateral mastectomy, which is having both breasts removed. And part of the problem with medicine, especially if you have like cancer or different things, everything goes fast and slow at the same time. So due to multiple factors, it was going to be about two and a half months before I could have my surgery. And doctors tried to convince me, you know, like, this is really good. It'll give you time to accept the diagnosis. You know, you can go out and um, this would allow me to have Thanksgiving with my family. But all I wanted was to get this ticking time bomb that they said I had out of my body because it's just constantly sitting on you. Um, now, I was blessed to have a few things, a few trips, a few fun things already planned. So the week, it was about one week after finding out about my diagnosis, my husband and two, two of my brothers, um, we'd had a trip pre-planned already. Um, to go to Olympic National Park. So we spent 
three days hiking over 25 miles, you know, and then I'm sure many of your listeners and you understand, like, when you're out hiking and conversing, kind of having therapy sessions, right, you know, it was just a, a fantastic form of being able to share all the nitty gritty, you know, the emotional, the psychological and physical toll that cancer was going to take. But at the same time, you're hiking, so you're not making eye contact. Things aren't getting weird, you know, like it's just uh, very freeing. And I have this amazing friend. Uh, her name is Angela. She's one of my main hiking buddies. And she said, well, you know, you've got nothing else to do but sit around and wait. So we might as well hike. So between September 9th, when I got my official diagnosis and November 29th, which was the day I had my surgery, I hiked 22 different times. So it's about two and a half months, 22 different hikes. And, you know, once I was cleared from my first surgery, my mastectomy to resume exercise, I, I started hiking again. You know, in December, I was already uh, doing mild hikes. They were not like going up Mount Hood or anything. I am not a mountaineer. I'm a hiker. So they weren't anything like that. I'm trying to think. Um, I always keep track of my hikes, but it was like Latoro Falls in the gorge, you know, or something like that. But um, I found out in December that I was going to have to do chemo starting in January. And, you know, the surgery was hard, but chemo sucked. Like it, it is, in my opinion, much worse than the surgery because, I, you know, I knew I was going to be released. And, and with chemo, you just keep feeling like junk all the time. And as often as my body would allow me, even during chemo, which was a four month period, I went hiking. So, um, but it was hard, like everything about it from being nauseous and fatigued and not wanting to eat because nothing sounds good. It, it was a challenge just to get out there. Um, but I always felt better when I was out in the woods. Um, climbing up hills. And I see it as parallel, like hiking was a parallel to what I was going through, right? Like I can do hard things and they don't always go as planned. And sometimes you stumble and fall and, you know, maybe that epic view that you were climbing for is all fogged in, right? But it doesn't stop you. And even though I often did get discouraged because hikes that were easy for me were now challenging, I always knew that a day outside was was 100% worth it. And I feel like hiking kept me not only sane, but it kept like some of my physical, mental, psychological health in check. And in fact, so funny story, um, the day before my last chemo appointment, I was um, at the Eagle Creek area and I had done nine miles. My goal was to go to Twisted or uh, Twisted Falls, I think is what it is. But there was a really bad water crossing, and I was I was solo hiking, and I didn't want to cross it by myself. Um, so I, the oncologist always asks, you know, how are you feeling? I'm like, well, I'm kind of tired. And she's like, oh, why is that? And I'm like, well, I went hiking for nine miles yesterday. And <laughs> her eyes, you know, they got all big, and she even put it in my chart, um, my medical charts, right? So. She was like, well, I've never heard that before from any of my cancer patients. I'm like, well, you know, not the normal cancer patient, but, you know, that's just how important it was for me. I had done that solo hike to check in with myself, 
you know, I didn't have to keep pace with anyone. I could turn around whenever I wanted. I should have turned around sooner. I didn't, but you know, whatever. Um, and it was just when your life is in chaos, everything slows down when you're in nature and it just allows your, your mind and your body to, to breathe. And it's not, I'm not really good at like adjectives, but, um, emotionally it was what centered me every time I'd have to go in for another doctor's appointment or another infusion or even another surgery. So it was my, my saving grace. Yeah. Nature is so healing and it sounds like it just kept you totally centered and focused, helped your body as well. I think. Well, the, the, oncologist. So I had a surgical oncologist and then you have a medical oncologist and my nurses, you know, they'd always be like, well, you're the healthiest cancer patient we've ever seen. And I'm like, well, up until the time you started poisoning me with chemo, I didn't feel like I had cancer, right? Like I wasn't really, really sick. And so to me, in my head, it made sense that if I just keep doing the things that I had done one foot in front of the other, right? Like it will just help me once I'm on the other side and and trying to just find that one moment where things don't hurt or, you know, you're not wanting to throw up or anything like that. And, and being outside, it did that for me. It also helps keep you in that positive mindset um, because I imagine that whole scenario is very, you know, it's so probably really easy to get really depressed and like, why me? Why is this happening in my life? And how am I going to get out of this? And I think going outside is, is probably a way to like, get out of that kind of depressive nature that can so easily happen in situations like that. Absolutely. And being out, you know, like with my friend Angela, or with my husband, or different people. It just takes your mind off of all the chaos that's running around that you have no control over, right? You can't control what your genetics do or what the doctors are doing, but heck, I can control whether or not I'm going to get up that stupid hill. So that's, that's definitely, it was very um, therapeutic for me. That's so amazing. This podcast is sponsored by CS Instant Coffee, the best instant coffee on the trail. I am a huge coffee snob and I've tried countless brands of instant coffees on the trail over the years. In 2019, I discovered CS Instant Coffee and my friends can attest that I have been absolutely obsessed ever since. I take the awesome compostable CS coffee packets with me whenever I go car camping and backpacking, and they even come with me when I go snowshoeing in the winter as a nice warm drink to enjoy at lunchtime. If you haven't tried this incredible coffee yet, let CS Instant Coffee fuel your next adventure. Walk, hike, run, or bike over to the nearest place you have internet and go to www.csinstant.coffee. That's www.csinstant.coffee. So this journey, uh, the cancer journey, um, is it, are you in remission then? So with breast cancer, you're never in remission. So it's always a possibility. And that's one of the big challenges is it's always sitting over you. So they call it NED. It's an acronym, no evidence of disease. 
And so uh, due to the type of cancer I have, which was hormone positive, I'm also on additional medication to um, block estrogen. So physical fitness becomes even more important because now I'm in medical menopause and osteoporosis and heart disease and all these things that you know, I, I probably wouldn't have dealt with for another five to 10 years is now um, a part of my everyday life. So my doctors absolutely love that I'm a hiker. Uh, it's just one of those things um, that this specific type of cancer, you know, you just have to go in for your screens and your tests and that's the best they can do. Wow. I didn't know that, that breast cancer, you're never in remission. I didn't know that either because you know, you do the mastectomy as a pretty drastic um, surgery so that you have the, for my type of cancer, I have the best chances of it not coming back, but I have a genetic component for a specific kind. Um, it's called the CHECK2 gene mutation, which puts me at a higher risk for other types of cancers. So while breast cancer won't come back in the breast, it can come back in other areas. And so it's this whole, I was like, well, then what's the point of doing a, you know, definitely I've talked to other cancer survivors and they say that that's often some of the worst mental headspace because when you're in the fight, you know what you're fighting. And then afterwards, it just is hovering. It's this fog kind of touching the back of your neck. The There's always the what if and you, yeah, you got to go in for your screenings. How often do you have to go in? So uh, every six months, as of right now, it should decrease to every year if they keep coming back good. But it's just staying in constant communication. Like the medication that they give me to block my estrogen causes osteoporosis. So they are now giving me medications I have to go in for infusions uh, to try to counteract that. So it's like one drug to counteract the effects of the other drug that counteracts it. You know, it is just... That's a lot. <laughs> it can be. Um, and I have been truly um, blessed with a, a great support network, I feel like. Um, and I think hikers, what they would understand is they kind of understand the, the whole suck fest right? Like we've all been on hikes that, that suck. Yeah. Embrace um, the suck. <laughs> yes. I say that all the time, right? Like the only way to, to get to the finish line is through it, right? Like you, you got to take one, the next step and the next step. Um, and I think that as a hiker, you know, like I, I have those parallels of like, I just think of it as this really long slog up a mountain. It's raining, it's foggy, but dang it, I'm going to get to the top where the, the view is going to clear out and I'll, I'll be able to appreciate and see that. So I can do hard things because I've done hard things type thing. Wow, that's amazing. I love how in hiking, there's always those life parallels. You can always like kind of be like, oh yeah, no, I did this in my hike. So I can do this in real life. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. What are some hiking goals that you have upcoming or some trips you're gearing up for? So I'm super excited. So I, I obviously lost a lot of strength and endurance during the last year. And so 
my number one goal is to get that back. I like my legs have really struggled. Um, my husband and I went backpacking this last weekend um, through the Alpine Lake wilderness. And that was the first time I'd carried a heavy pack in addition to climbing up some of these steep climbs. And it, it sucked rocks. Like there was nothing good about it about the climb, right? Like once we were to our camping area, I had gotten fed. Everyone was in a much better mood. <laughs> and I had to be humbled and, you know, and be like, okay, like, mm, maybe that was biting off more than I could chew. But next month, so those two brothers that had come out a week after my diagnosis and we'd hiked Olympic National Park, they're coming back. And again, it wasn't planned because we're going to do the North Cascades. We've gotten permits. So it all just like is aligning to finish the circle, right? So they came out right as I was diagnosed. They're coming back right as I'm finishing, you know, the surgeries and the recovery period. Um, and I know that North Cascades are currently burning to the ground, but where we will be so far, fingers crossed, is still open and they're allowing backpackers. But um, that's going to be a five day trip. And that's the longest I've ever been in the back country. You know, like when you're excited about something, but you're also anxious about something, kind of get those butterflies in your stomach. You're like, yeah. So, so I have this conflicting, you know, like this is going to be really fun, but oh my gosh, this is, this is going to, this could hurt, you know? So, because when we hiked out from our backpacking trip last weekend, my quads, hoy they were tired and that was with poles you know and breaks and all the things so and that was a lot less food too so you got to think about your pack is gonna be a little heavier <laughs> yes i know uh, well i'm hoping i call him my sherpa he's my husband but i call him my sherpa he might have to take some of that additional weight and he's agreed to do that um so i am curious because of my the, I've had two surgeries. So I had the bilateral mastectomy in November, and then I had reconstruction surgery in April. And sometimes the, the pack in the chest area, it just, it doesn't feel great. Yeah. So like between um, the two surgeries, I had a, like a hip pack, you know, like a if six liter, stick a extra layer in there, some snacks, food, whatever, water. Right. So you didn't have something over your shoulders. Yes. Yes. Because okay. it especially, and I don't know what, know what you know about breast cancer and mastectomies and reconstruction, but they put these uh, expanders in your chest if you're going to do reconstruction and it's like hard plastic Frisbees and they don't move and they're very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you don't want to wear a pack. Right. No, it didn't. And it, it would rub and feel weird, you know, um, and so I'm just getting back like to, to having that weight on my shoulders, having the strap, you know, the chest strap across. And it's been a process. It's definitely getting better. But um, I had to buy a new pack <laughs> just to make, you know, go try things on because my body is no longer the same profile as it was before. It's been an interesting process. It's been frustrating just to have to go to REI, which is where I go, um, simply because I can return a pack if it doesn't work well. Right. What pack did you end up getting? So it's an Osprey. Um, it's, and I would never consider myself an ultralight 
backpacker, but it is in their ultralight line. And for whatever reason, it fits up against my back and my shoulders, you know, because I'm a huge Osprey fan. I love Osprey. I own like six packs. But um, this one fits tight up against my body. And I, because it's ultralight and the way it's designed, I can move things around to make it very customized to my body. Whereas, you know, you can change the the length of the torso, you know, and, but this, I can change the hip belt. I can change where the, the straps hit and, and stuff like that. So it's been a lifesaver for me. That's nice. Yeah. A lot of the, you know, non ultralight packs, you're kind of stuck with where the shoulder straps are and where the hip belt is. And you're kind of like you can change a little bit like the length of stuff, but you can't move stuff around generally. So yeah, and this gave us a whole lot more. And in fact, <laughs> if you were to read the reviews, it's not well reviewed. So I will just say, you know, like I really questioned I'm like, well, I mean, everyone just kind of gives it a 50-50, you know, it's like three stars. For me, it's absolutely five stars out of five stars. <laughs> so yeah, I do really, really like it. Nice, nice. So uh, this trip to the North Cascades, when is that happening? So that's uh, middle of September. Um, I, fingers crossed, you know, we had gotten, I lucked out the very first year we moved here, I got enchantment permits um, to Colchuck Lake. And I don't know what stars were aligned, but, you know, it just, we had gone the end of September, we got super hot. It was like a hundred degrees and then we got rain and then we got snow <laughs> all in the same trip. So it was a whole experience. So we're doing it a little bit earlier in September to hopefully avoid four seasons in one trip. Right, right. Yeah, because that you got to pack yes. very differently. You got to pack shorts. You got to pack your leggings. You got to pack your winter stuff. Well, I, and we were bringing micro spikes as well because I was like, I am not climbing out of Kolchak because we knew there was a possibility of snow. I'm like, I'm not climbing down that thing without microspikes so you know the whole kit and caboodle our packs were so freaking heavy oh wow but the fall colors up there i hear are stunning oh the larches alone i could just sit there and stare at them um but yes i am hopeful that we will get some of those fall colors you're just kind of guessing when you're trying to do permits you know it's just so it, it's a, a crapshoot you know like you're gonna get what you're gonna get i don't know so how are you um, training a little bit for this trip? Are you training with the backpack on or? Uh, yes, but I'm doing a lot of strength training and core training, especially for my legs and core. Um, I put on 20 pounds during this, this journey. Off, most of it was due to the steroids that they give you. So they pump you up before you go into chemo and different stuff. So I felt like an oompa loompa while heading in there. So a lot of strength training um, and then we're doing backpacking trips because I don't think that there's anything that quite compares to just being fully outfitted and not only that, but then, okay, I get to the top. How do I feel and setting up camp and am I bringing the adequate nutrition? Like this last one we did, I bonked so hard. Like I, we should have stopped an hour earlier and eaten, you know, but I, my stomach's very sensitive and like just eating like kind of those snacky foods that you have in your hip pockets, that doesn't 
do it for me. Like it really jacks up my gut. So I was like, I just got to get to the top and I'll have my meal and everything will be okay. But we should have stopped. It was way, way, way too late. And it was really hot. I don't know if you remember last weekend, but it was hot. Yes. It's hard to eat when it's hot. It really is. I struggled with that. Mm -hmm. Like I really struggled with eating when I feel like I'm just dripping wet with sweat. So, um, so the strength training, yes. Um, what you may or may not know about me is I'm a certified personal trainer. So I've got myself on a very regimented program to incorporate not only hit style workouts, but long and slow style workouts and rucking and different stuff like that. I feel like I'm in a good position. Um, I don't know if you've ever run like marathons or anything like that, but I feel like if I feel like I'm at that 75 point, 75% point, um, I don't have to do it all until I get to the North Cascades. And I did make my husband put in a, a down day. So we're not having to move every single night. I was like, you've got to give me a rest day. Cause I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, you're making this, you're getting these permits. I think it was in March and I hadn't even had my second surgery yet. I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to feel. So don't kill me off in the first week long, you know, five day backpacking thing. Yeah. Cause five days of hiking back to back is hard. I mean, for anybody, you know, you can it's be a in, lot. in peak condition, peak health, that's a lot on your body to do mm-hmm. five days back to back of hiking. Well, especially in the North Cascades where you know you're not going to avoid hills. Like there's just the elevation. Yeah. Yep. There's going to be a suck factor accompanied with that. And so the only thing I keep telling myself is, well, each day means less food, which should mean a lighter pack. <laughs> that helps. Every day you eat a little bit and you're like, oh, okay. I know. That's what I tell myself. Oh, look, it got lighter. (laughs) I always ask this question to everyone that's on the podcast and sometimes can be hard to answer, but how has your hiking journey changed from the beginning? So I actually really loved uh, this question. So I'm a very type A personality, go get them, you know, like we're going to check all the boxes. So in the beginning, when we first moved here, we were just overwhelmed with the options for hiking. I mean, it is just so ridiculously gorgeous here in the Pacific Northwest. And whether you're heading to the coast or, you know, to the desert or wherever you're heading, you know, I was like, oh, we can do all these hikes. Look at all these hikes. So we were killing ourselves off because I was like, we got to go hiking. We got to go hiking. We got to go hiking. And we were hiking, um, you know, every weekend uh, and it just, there was no, I'm like, we're not going to take a down day. We've got to go see this area. And, and now um, I feel like the urgency to, to go and see all these places has slowed down because we've one started to see some of all the beautiful places, but two, my goal before when I was hiking was to get to the top or to get to the end, right? How fast can I get there? In, in many things, you know, the top is where the view at, is at. So instead of looking at the beautiful flowers or the additional views, I'd be like, we just got to get to the top. We're not stopping. We're not taking photos. We're not eating. We're not taking a snack break. Just off we go. And the, the funny thing is, is part of that was because I hadn't yet learned how to pee in the woods. So I had to get up and down before I had to pee. So um, now that I have... You know, I feel like I've I've gotten a few things down. 
um, I'm able to slow down. But I think that also part of it is, is that as I've aged, I'm appreciating the slower option, right? Like, oh my gosh, look at that beautiful flower, you know, when the trillium was blooming. Oh my gosh, it's the first trillium of the season. Or the Indian paintbrush or, you know, the Columbine. Like, I stop. I probably have more photos of flowers than even people because I'm now looking at what is surrounding me and I'm allowing nature to like absorb into me and appreciate the the calmness. Cause if you're ever quiet in nature and you can actually start to hear all the different noises and the creaking of the wind, uh, the trees, you know, and the birds and the animals, to me, it reminds me how small we are, you know, that I'm, I'm just a part of the earth's story. I'm not the whole story. So yeah, we have definitely changed. My husband was always like, hey, look at this view. I was like, nope, to the top we go. Um, so I feel like I am definitely able to enjoy just the experience. And the cancer has reminded me to really be in the moment, right? Like I'm not promised tomorrow. So in this moment, I can appreciate everything and the people and the things that are surrounding me. I love that. It's so funny because this answer is the same answer for probably 80% of the people that I interview. Really? I love that. I don't know what it is. And I thought I was the only one that experienced this weird sense of urgency. The first few years that I started really hiking and getting into hiking. But it seems to be very across the board with people that I talk to. I couldn't even tell you Like, I don't remember most of the hikes that I went on the first, like, two or three years of me getting into hiking because, like you, I just did it for the pace. I did it for the miles. I did it to get up there and say I summited, and and that's it. I didn't stop. I didn't look. I didn't – I don't remember anything about the hike, really, and so the – the past few years, as I've been slowing down as well, I've had to go rehike these. And it's basically a brand new hike to me because I don't remember anything from these places that I, you know, hiked 10 years ago. It's, it's so funny how universal this answer can be. <laughs> well, it got to the point, like when I was first hiking, I saw it all as a race. So if there was a hiker in front of me, I was like, oh, I can totally get them. And I will beat them to the top. Like, they don't know what's going on in my head. And why is it a competition? But it is. I got to get there before them. You know, so um, now when I see all ages, older, younger, whatever, passing me, I'm like, enjoy, you know, (laughs) have a great day. Um, It just, it doesn't seem to phase me. But I laugh because I, I just refuse to look. And there's too many beautiful things to not notice. Right. I I sometimes do wish, though, that hiking was some sort of competitive sport or like that it could like it could be like there was a category of competitive hiking because I'm generally not a competitive person, but I would love I'm a good hiker. So I would love to compete Mm -hmm. in hiking. I don't know what that would look like, but I think it would be really cool. I am a highly competitive person and um, 
uh, like I said, everything was a competition. Even amongst my group, you know, it would be like, I have to lead. You know, heaven forbid, if somebody else leads, they're not going my pace. You know, you got to go my pace. So, yeah, I think I was more competitive with myself in that I always wanted to like hike more than I did the previous year. Like, let's see if I can double these miles. Let's see if I can do twice as many hikes. Let's see, you know, whatever. Get more elevation gain, yeah. whatever it is. Random yeah. goals that I made for myself that now looking back on, I'm like, well, yeah, I did a lot of hikes because I wanted to hike like a thousand miles or whatever. But like, did I really enjoy them? I don't remember half of them. So I don't know that there's really a point to that. Well, so I track my hikes, my mileage, my elevation gain, and I had to give that up. I was on par before my cancer diagnosis to meet my goal. And I was within 50 miles of it, but I, I simply did not have the capacity to get those 50 miles in. Like I couldn't even, I would tell my surgeon, I would be like, we went for a forest walk. And he's like, is that a hike? And I'm like, eh. For most people, it probably would be uh, a hike. What's your definition of a hike? <laughs> so, <laughs> but for me, it was literally just a forest walk. Like I see that as a, there's a distinct difference between the two. He did not find that very funny. So, <laughs> you know, I was like, well, I was in good health before, you know, it's not like you're, I'm out of shape and starting. You're just telling me I should reduce my mileage per day. I, I think when, when medical professionals tell us, you know, because we're such avid hikers, so when they tell us stupid stuff that can't be measured, like, oh, you know, you can go on, like, easy hikes. I'm like, what's easy? That's relative, right? So to me, <laughs> that's totally different than what they're considering an easy hike. Right. I mean, if you're going to leave it up to me, then I'm going to make what's best for my body. And you can't tell me it wasn't. <laughs> exactly. You should, as a medical professional, you need to tell me, listen, you can't hike more than two miles mm -hmm. or something like that. Like if you really want me to take it easy, you have to give me parameters. You can't just say, oh yeah, you can hike easy hikes now. I'm going to yep. go on a 10 miler. Like, <laughs> yes. Well, I, when my doctor got on me, it was a nine mile. And again, it was a forest walk. It wasn't super, you know, like high elevation or anything. I was like, well, I thought I was doing easy. And he's like, five miles. Okay. That is your limit. Five miles. And I was like, five miles hike. And then I can still walk five miles. And he's like, no. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> and my caregiver, my husband, and then I had a sister who'd come out as well. They kept telling on me. I'm like, shut your mouth. <laughs> I am fine. He doesn't need Cattle to know. Tails. I know. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> so what are some lessons that you've learned through being in the outdoors and hiking and backpacking? So many lessons. So I came up with five uh, simply because it's, I know five is an odd number, but it seemed like a nice round number. Um, so one, the hardest thing for me is to accept help. I have had to learn how to speak, like speak up instead of just going along with the status quo, like either that makes me uncomfortable or I don't know how to do that. Um, would you be willing to help me or teach me? Um, I have a, like, I don't like heights. Like if we were on 
a narrow edge and the cliff just goes down, you know, I start talking to myself and stuff. I just, I really don't like heights. So I have to communicate those types of things, especially if I'm hiking with others. And I think that just goes along with life. Like you have to speak up when you're uncomfortable or when you need assistance, people cannot read our minds. And then number two is practice. You have to practice in order to learn. So the first time you do anything, it's, it's not going to look good or, you know, it's, it's not going to be perfect. Um, and so instead of saying like, I'm going backpacking, I'll say I'm practicing a specific skill in backpacking, right? So maybe it's how to lighten up my load, or maybe it's how to work on um, dehydrating my own meals or different things, right? That's a skill and it, it takes practice and everything in life, we forget that as a young child, how many times did we fall down learning how to walk, right? And we just kept getting up. <laughs> so that's one of those things um, that hiking, just because I have a bad hike, you know, like this last weekend, I bonked, that doesn't mean I'm going to do it every single time um, and to just keep putting myself out there. Number three is enjoy the moment. So it's to slow down, um, be still, and just breathe. I think in life we are just so busy, quote unquote, right? It's like busyness has become a badge of honor to wear. And we forget that um, a lot of creativity, a lot of problem solving, a lot of recovery comes in the stillness, comes in those quiet moments. So. Uh, my favorite time is as the sun is setting, if you're going backpacking or watching a sunset hike and the stars start to slowly come out, right? You can't see it all at once. It's just slowly shown to you, you know, revealed to you all this, this majesty of the, the beautiful sky. And that's how life is. It, it slowly is unfolding. It's not usually in giant moments. Number four is hard does not mean impossible. I believe that a life well-lived means that I have struggled, I have fought, I have failed, I have made mistakes, but then what did I do afterwards, right? Like, did I pick myself up? Did I brush myself off and start again? Uh, life is always going to be challenging. I have yet to get to perfection in life. <laughs> Don't know if that's ever gonna happen, but hard doesn't mean impossible. It just means that we've gotta find a way to work around it. And then the final one is don't always be rushing to the next goal. And you alluded to that, you know, like, oh, I had this goal, I had to hike this many miles or climb this much elevation, you know, and that's very much what my mindset was before cancer. I gotta, I gotta reach all these things. I gotta be better than I was last year. I gotta do harder things than I did last year. And I kind of had forgotten for a while there that hiking is supposed to be fun. Like life to be fun is to be enjoyed. It's not just to be endured or another slog. And I think the biggest takeaway in all things, right, is as adults, we need to remember to have playtime. <laughs> and that's what hiking to me is it's time to go out and play in the dirt. So those are some of the lessons that I have learned. I love it. I love it. <laughs> what is currently one of your favorite things about being outside? One is just basically being outside, right? Um, if the pandemic taught us anything is that outside is better than inside. 
but um, I think right now, um, the one thing I'm loving about hiking is that I've, I'm not letting fear hold me back. So I have some like fear of the dark, fear of large animals that are going to eat me. <laughs> and it is it, just, I have realized that mortality is just extremely short. Like our time on this earth is just so small. And am I going to let that fear hold me back or am I going to allow it to propel me forward? So I know some of the small things like for me, when we're backpacking is I am willing to get up now in the middle of the night with my headlamp, of course, and I will go to the bathroom by myself before I would drag my husband. You just have to stand right there, like turn your back to me, but stand right there because I was like, something's going to eat me. Yeah. No, I hate it. I hate getting up in the middle of the night to go pee. It is terrifying. It is. It's so dark. And I can remember our first backpacking trip and the owls are going off, you know, and there's, there's, there's rustling on a crest. There's, there's a bear. He's like, it's not a bear. I'm like, how do you know? It's a bear. Well, and everything sounds 10 times louder because it's so quiet out there. Literally the, the rustling of a, a mouse or a chipmunk by your tent Sounds like a cougar or a bear is going to rip through your tent at any second. Absolutely. I'm glad to know it's not just me. Sometimes I do feel like it's just me, you know, like it's a, a overwhelming fear, you know, of coming around the corner. What do I do with the bears? I've got my bear spray. I've got different stuff, but I, I'm pretty sure I'll just scream and fall into a puddle of goo. Like, I don't know. So, um, but yeah, every time I... Like I get to hike or go backpacking or even forest walk, you know, I'm just thankful that one, we have such beautiful areas to do that in here. Like I do not take for granted the beauty of this area, like in Oregon and Washington are kind of an, I'm in California too, but eh, I don't do much hiking in California, but you know, from the ocean to the mountains to the desert, we have such a broad variety of what we want, you know, what we can go and see. And I love that. Like, I just love from where I'm located, I can get to the mountains, I can get to the ocean all within, you know, an hour and a half. The desert takes a little bit longer, but I, it's still three hours. So it's all within scope of what I can, I can do. I no longer have to take a week of vacation to go and enjoy the nature. Right. Yeah. We are pretty, pretty spoiled here in the Pacific Northwest. And you've lived in a lot of other places so you can really a lot of non-forested right. places so you really <laughs> are like hey I'm lucky I love being here <laughs> yes and I as a kid when I left at 17 when I graduated from high school while I knew the area was beautiful I was just looking to get to the next step of life I didn't appreciate the beauty of where I just took it for granted Right. Well, and you hadn't really been a lot of other places. So it's easy to take for granted if you haven't really traveled outside the state much, for sure. Uh, what is a message that you would like to share with the listeners? So I have changed my mind about this a couple of times, but I work with um, women mainly in my professional life. And I find that fear holds people back, the unknown, right? So my message is, just start. You don't have to do the 10 mile loop in the back country, right? Like there, especially where I live in the Portland, Vancouver area, you know, there are so many hikes that you can do 
uh, whether by yourself or with a friend or whatever, that are a mile, they're two miles, right? Like it's a great way to start. Like don't let the fear of judgment or the fear of, you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm not a hiker, right? Or I, I don't have the equipment. Um, there's a lot of places with just a good pair of tennis shoes, some water, always bring your water and some snacks, you know, that you can go and do. And then <laughs> for all my women out there, I would say, learn how to pee in the outdoors and leave no trace is what I'm going to put at the end of that, because I get really tired of seeing toilet paper in the, the outdoors. So learn how to do that without leaving any trace. Um, and I think that it's just starting small, but just start, like just get outside and, and do it. You can download for free a whole bunch of apps. And if nobody wants to hike with you, there are some great meetup groups, um, especially all for women or different things. I do get a little leery about like the co-ed things just because I don't want to meet a stranger in the backcountry. But there's a ton of like Facebook groups, like women who hike and um, gosh, there's there's so many, but I actually, all of my hiking friends, I met through Facebook groups, like through hiking groups. I did too. Yes. And now they're like yes. my best friends and you know, you, you click with certain people and then you meet up with them outside of these group hikes and stuff and, and you continue that relationship and, but yeah, you can meet some amazing people through hiking groups for sure. And it can be a little intimidating. I understand why people are like, uh, I don't know if I want to do that. But the cool thing about a lot of these like group hikes is that there's all different abilities there. I've found in, unless they're like, Hey, we're going on a 10 mile, whatever. But generally it's like a group of all abilities and it's really beautiful place to meet people. I remember the first time I did a group hike, it was Dog Mountain on the Washington side of the Columbia River Gorge. It was a sunset hike outside of my comfort zone. You had to have a permit. They had had one slot open up and I was like, I'll do it. And then I was like, what did I just do? I don't know anyone. I'm an introvert. I don't do these things. And I almost backed out because I was so freaking uncomfortable just to meet in the parking lot with, you know, these women. I was like, uh, but it, it literally changed my life. I met some amazing people, joined other group hikes. It got easier each time. It's just getting over again. Don't let that fear stop you from doing something um, that you're interested in. I love that. It's something that helps me when I have fear of any kind, whether it go, you know, solo hiking or peeing outside when I when it's dark or, you know, meeting a big group of people or whatever, I always have to stop and tell myself fear cannot kill me. And that has helped me so much, especially because I was really trying to do a lot of solo backpacking last summer and try and get over my fear of that. <laughs> As I'm laying there in my tent on my first solo overnight, I'm just thinking to myself, I, yes, I'm scared, but I'm not going to die. And really, that's ultimately what I'm most scared of. So if I'm not going to die, then I'm going to be okay. And tomorrow, like in a couple hours, the sun is going to rise, birds are going to chirp, and I'm going to go on my merry way and continue hiking, right? Mm -hmm. 
So that helped me so much just having that mindset of, okay, I understand I'm scared, but I'm not going to die. So, I mean, <laughs> there's certain situations where, you know, the fear is, is uh, like, it's there for a reason, you know, don't go climbing Mount Thielsen and, you know, you could actually die. <laughs> but like in scenarios like that, where you're spending the night alone, or you're meeting a big group of new people, or going camping, and you've never done it, or something like that, the fear is not going to kill you. And, and it's hard to convince your mind of that, but I try to do that in smaller doses, right? So I still haven't done the backpacking by myself. I just, bleh. but I'll do harder hikes by myself. And I do them smartly. I have an in-reach. I've got the 10 essentials that someone knows where I'm going, you know, all those things. I try to mitigate risk, obviously, but I try to push myself just a little bit more, like with my fear of heights, this makes me uncomfortable but I have the skills to do it and I'll be okay, right? And that's something I just repeat to myself over and over. I am uncomfortable, but that doesn't mean I have to stop. Right, and your confidence will grow if you push your comfort zone just a little bit. Yes, and I think especially for those just first starting out, obviously start easy, but it's it, you'll want, you'll, you'll become motivated to try and, and push some of your own personal boundaries. Well, this was so much fun. I am so thankful that you came on here and told your story. I think it's really beautiful and inspiring. Thank you. And if anyone, you know, one thing I would just say as a final parting is obviously you have to be careful about your, your medical issues that you have, but there's always, I believe, something that you can do that will help you feel better. Yeah, for sure. In the outdoors, for sure. Even if it's just, you know, going to your local park and sitting on the bench and watching the squirrels or listening to the birds and the wind in the trees, even just that simple of a being outdoors can be so healing. And they're just now starting to figure that out. But those who spend any time outside, we may not have been scientifically be able to prove it, but we knew. Well, thank you so much, Kay. I had such a good time chatting with you. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. And if anyone has any questions, you know, I don't know if you put in contact information like my um, Facebook page or something. Yeah, just, you know, cancer is such a isolating and lonely experience because nobody really gets it unless you've been through it. And people say some really insensitive and hurtful things. <laughs> I have some, you know, I've met some really amazing groups and stuff that have really helped me. Perfect. I will put that. And I'll also put in the show notes, some of the women hiking groups that we were talking about. I can't ever think of the names when I need to, like when people ask, I'm like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, I'll put those in the show notes as well. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Again, if you have an inspirational story about how the outdoors positively impacted your life, please send a short synopsis to hikeoregon at hikeoregon.net and put in the subject line podcast guest. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and happy trails.